So as I mentioned, the last two weeks we have been in a quasi-sermon series about the story of Abraham and Isaac and what's commonly known as the binding of Isaac or the offering of Isaac uh, or the sacrifice of Isaac. And it's one that's found in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, and it's one that I I know have often struggled with, uh, wrapping my mind around it and reconciling the God that we uh, see versus the God that I've come to know through the pages of Scripture, through the life of Jesus Christ. And so we've offered several different ways that we can look at this story from different angles. The first week we talked about uh, this idea of what is it that we know? God inviting us to lean into the things that we know and having those things we know inform the ways in which we live in this world, the ways that we respond to other people. What is it that we know? And how are we invited to respond? What do we know about God? What do we know about ourselves? And what is the invitation for us? The second week, we looked at the idea that maybe, just maybe, Abraham misunderstood what God was asking. That Abraham was focusing on what the world often did versus on who he has come to know God to be. And so we looked at some of the wording and pondered, what if God was inviting Abraham to make an offering, not a burnt offering, but hold his heart in such a way that he was doing so in the same way that he would hold his heart for a burnt offering. So this idea of what happens if Abraham misunderstood God. And so, often, when I come from passages like these that are difficult, and I hear and think of several different ways I can look at passages, I often find myself limiting to an or a this or, one or the other option. And I want to offer this evening a way that this might be a both and, where we read the story not just this way or this way, but it is um, an invitation of God for us to see this story using a both and and held together by the very person of God. The truth that we just claimed that God is a good, good father, that these ways of reading this passage is held together, bound together by God's overwhelming and unconditional love for all of God's people. And so with that in mind, this idea of a both and wrapped together in love, I want to read again this story that we have been sitting with. And I invite you that as my um, stand moves lower, uh, I invite you that as you hear these words, I invite you to hear the multitude of ways that we have talked about hearing and reading this scripture. 
and allow them to reinvigorate what this might look like for you, how you might read and hear this story. After these things, God tested Abraham or invited Abraham to prove. He said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering. He sent out Uh, He set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, Father! And Abraham said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. The angel said, do not lay your hands on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the Mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. My friends, this is the word of God for us, the children of God, and we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, be with each of us this evening as we hear once again these words proclaimed and ponder anew what it is your invitation might be for us. God, open our hearts and our minds in our ears so that we might clearly hear what you have to say to us this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Did you hear how Abraham concluded this story? How he made sense of what it is that God was up to in the midst of its entirety? He said, And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. So if the scripture tells us that this is a story of provision, 
then clearly it must be a story that is about what God's provision looks like, what God's provision is as a response to Abraham's faithfulness and a function of God's own faithfulness. But how many of you all have heard this phrase, that God will provide? And then you wonder, okay, God, how? How will you provide now? Is the manna going to just rain from heaven for me right now in the form of maybe money to help pay some of the GRU bills that seem to just be hiking up? So, God, how will you provide in a season where I cannot see what's next. How? How will your provision make itself known? That's often the question that I hold in my heart when I hear that phrase told to me. So, if this is a story ultimately about God's provision, what does... God's provision actually look like? In answer to this question this evening, I want to offer the two different perspectives that we have talked about as a framework of answering this question of what is it that God's provision looks like for Abraham and what does God's provision look like for us? So, remembering that last week we did talk about Abraham misunderstanding God, that Abraham maybe misunderstood what God was saying and started walking this journey, got the wood, gathered the servants, made his way with all of these things to the place where God had shown them the whole time thinking that he would have to do the worst thing humanly possible, and yet was willing to do so. And then, at that very moment, we see a God who shows up at just the right moment. And quite frankly, for me, a little bit too late. I would have liked to have that angel appear way earlier than he did. But alas... We see a God that offers what is needed in that moment. Another way. Another option. A God who met Abraham right where he was. Who saw Abraham's gifts. Saw Abraham's faithfulness. Despite of maybe being, having been misunderstood and offered a different route. What if provision sometimes looks like that? Someone, something, showing up at just the right moment, sometimes a little later than you would have anticipated or liked. You might have had to go through a little bit of suffering to get to that point, and yet, God shows up right when you need God to be there in the form of a neighbor, in the form of a still small voice, in the form of an assurance in your heart 
that even though things are chaotic, God is present and God is active. And we also know that sometimes God shows up in ways that we absolutely do not expect. That God offers provision in the ways that we did not ask for provision. We, oftentimes, have a set idea of what help from God needs to look like. And we know that God does what God does best, what God has designed. And so that provision comes not in the way that we would want, and we may not necessarily see that provision as provision until much later. I think that this question of or wondering if provision might not look exactly the way that Abraham would expect it to look is a way that we can see this story through the lens of how we talked about it the first week. I'm going to read for us Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19. Now, in <clears throat> the writer of Hebrews here is talking about this very story of Abraham and Isaac in the context of the totality, the bigger picture of Abraham's faithfulness and a conversation of what does it look like to have faith. And so when we read this, what we're actually hearing is, yes, Scripture, but at the time of this writing, you have to remember that this was a letter written to other Christians of this time, early Christians who might have grown up with a regular Jewish traditional understanding of what faith looks like. So not only are we reading scripture, but we are getting firsthand commentary on how someone of the Jewish tradition in early, uh, er, in ancient times, might have come to understand what God was up to and what this story was really about. So listen to what this writer has to say in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17. By faith, Abraham, when put to the test, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was ready to offer up his only son, of whom he had been told, it is through Isaac that descendants shall be named for you. <clears throat> he considered the fact that God is able even to raise someone from the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Remember that first week we talked about what are the things that Abraham might have known that informed the way in which he lived out his faith within this story. It is common in the Jewish tradition to hold this, uh, this character trait of God, that God is able 
to even raise someone from the dead. It is one of the chants that they say within the context of worship. And you have to wonder, where did that theological thought originate from? And it originated here, in this story of Abraham and Isaac. That what if one of the things that Abraham knew is that God is able. God is able even to show up, to raise someone from the dead. And that was the truth that guided his actions. What if God is able? Period. Friends, what if that's what provision is? To rest in the truth of that God is able. And here's what we know. Despite whatever way in which you read this story, or maybe you can still consider this story completely terrible, here is what the end of the story tells us, no matter what way you hear it. That for God, God is about the work of life. That for God, death will never have the last word. Because that is not who God is. We see that time and time again. How many of us have seen that in our own life when death feels like suffering, when death, sadness, loneliness, depression feels like the end? What we have come to know is that for God, that moment never has the last word because we see that in the very person of Jesus Christ. God is able to even raise someone from the dead. The very one who defeated death eternally. So that death will never remain. That there is eternal life to be had. Provision as resting in the truth that God is able, proven to us through the person of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit to be felt in whatever places you find yourself. That is the truth I take away from this story. No matter which way I come to it, I trust in that very truth that Abraham might have believed for himself, that God is able, and in doing so, in resting in that truth, God provided. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.